0: Good morning and welcome to Fiddle and Pipe Podcast. This is Brittany Ross here with some morning announcements. We have recently changed our Patreon tier setup. If you go to patreon.com slash fiddleandpipe, you will notice that we have two tiers. We have one tier that is $2 per month called Partial Reader Peeps. There you will have access to our bloopers and outtakes and we will give you a one-time shout out on our latest episode. For $5 a month, you can join our Tier titled Book Club Peeps, and there you will have access to Bloopers and Outtakes, a one-time shout-out, as well as our Happy Hour podcast. If you like what we do on the podcast, please consider supporting us. It helps us buy research materials for episodes. It helps us buy the books that we read for this podcast. It helps us buy recording equipment. It helps us buy software for editing, and honestly, it helps pay our bills because between social media, editing, recording... This is a full time gig, so we really appreciate anyone who donates to us. As always, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can follow us on social media for more updates on what's going on in the Fiddle and Pipe universe. You can find us on Facebook at Fiddle and Pipe Forum, which is an open group, anyone can join. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Fiddle and Pipe. You can follow me at BM Ross Music, and you can follow Catherine at Cat Flinch Flu. Without further ado, Here's the episode. Hi, I'm Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle.
1: I'm Katherine Blentgen, and I play the pipe.
0: And together, we are fiddle and pipe. Two classical musicians
1: who are reading and discussing topics
0: beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in.
1: Oh, I'm recording.
0: <clears throat> Oops. I'm also recording. Hello. Get all those cops out now.
1: I did. Surprisingly. So I
0: don't have to edit them out after. <coughs> <coughs> mm. <Glam>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is Fiddle and Pipe and it is COVID season. I just finished a musical this past week. I played like five shows and I'm surprised we even made it through the weekend. <laughs> Because before the weekend started, I got a text message from the guy I was subbing for this musical and he said, hey, this might not happen because there were some main cast members that got COVID during the holiday season when they were still doing the show. Some people in the pit got COVID. I know that the guy I subbed for asked if I could sub last weekend, but I couldn't. His sub got COVID. His other sub did. So, oh wow! So, I heard that he actually had to play that one night, and I felt bad, but, yeah, I'm surprised I made it through that musical. <laughs> no covid <laughs> that's insane, but I think overall, I'm really glad that I was able to do this gig. You know, it was really fun, and I think I had a better time this week alone because somebody that was originally in the pit was no longer there, <laughs> um, and I was told about it beforehand, and I like, had this sigh of, like, I was just like, oh my goodness, thank God. They were basically the director, and Mm. they did a really good job of making me feel uncomfortable. When I come to a gig, I try to make sure I'm respectful, I try to make sure I'm professional, and I thought I was, but I started getting some weird messages and comments from the director, them texting me, complimenting specific looks, and... I've always grown up being told I should be respectful to people and you know I always try to be that way I don't want to come off as a bitch but I try to give everybody a chance but when I started getting like a text message saying like you have a beautiful smile and emojis that kind of reflect that in ways that seems kind of flirty. At first, I was like, well, maybe this person's being nice. But then the more I was subbing in as I kept showing up to rehearsals, and this person would be texting me in the middle of rehearsals. They would be going on my Facebook, liking Ew. old statuses. No friend requests or anything, which was also interesting. You're just stalking <laughs> me on Facebook. It was just a little strange. And then on top of it, whenever I was there in person, they would bring up random questions that... Didn't really make sense to the conversations in the room. And at first I was like, does this person think I'm being left out of the group because I'm not? Questions like, what's my ring size? Random Ah. question. I don't understand that.
0: My husband didn't ask me what my ring size was until we had been dating for three and a half years and he was going to propose in like two months. So I think for a stranger to ask me ring size seems
1: a little... Weird. You know, I don't go prancing around saying I'm in a relationship. I'm in a very happy, committed relationship, and I don't feel like I have to spread the word like, I'm in a relationship. And also at the same time, you don't want to
0: rely on the fact that a man would not respect you and would only respect you if there's another man around. You should just say, Hey, I'm not comfortable. I don't want this. Instead of being like, Oh, I have you know, another love interest. Sorry. Yeah.
1: It was just random questions like that. Or, hey, would you like to be my plus one for this and that? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, Nope. Is this person being serious? And then I come to realize that they were like, Oh, I love how she reacts and just getting my attention in weird ways that just didn't seem normal. When the person was gone from the pit to another person say, well, that was a weird question to ask, or why are they singling you out? I've never had interaction like that. And even with the new director, it was, you know, the new director was super friendly and nothing like those weird comments or questions or anything has occurred. That should be a professional relationship. And Mm -hmm. I was really angry throughout the entirety of December because of that, because I felt like I wasn't being treated the way that I wanted to be treated. I wasn't having Mm -hmm. a good time at the gig. I felt like I was so excited to do this because again, it's something different, it's fun. I was not having a good time because I was dreading going to these rehearsals, sitting there, sitting in front of this person, and them, like, making me feel awkward and uncomfortable. That's why I was not enjoying it. It got to the point where I was like, I need to speak out about this. I need to talk to somebody about this because I can't keep this in. And I was Mm -hmm. afraid to because this person was in a position of power. I was like, I'm going to be subbing until, like, literally yesterday so it's like i i don't know what to do i don't know who this person's boss is i don't know if anybody else has encountered this but if you have and you've been in that situation and you feel comfortable speaking out about it
0: we're always a safe space
1: (laughs) yeah feel free to like message us my
0: intro to this episode was going to be since it's the second law make it attractive i was going to say we're two attractive women so we don't need this episode but now it seems inappropriate So,
1: I mean, we're attractive regardless.
0: We are hot and attractive, and we ain't putting up with your shit.
1: Hot? You hear that?
0: AF. You keep your creepy ass comments to yourself. (laughs) Boom. So, (laughs) second law make it attractive. The first thing that he talks about is why we are wired to basically do things that might not be always in our best interest. And it kind of goes back to marketing. You have supernormal stimuli, which are an exaggerated form of reality for a more exaggerated response. That just kind of sounds like a lot of words (laughs) mushed together.
1: I like the examples that he gave about junk food. How we're wired to
0: eat junk food Mm -hmm. because back when we were, you know, hunter-gatherer societies and before that, our lizard brains wanted something that's calorie-dense, High in fats because we didn't know when necessarily our next meal was going to be. And I think David always tells me that our brains have essentially been the same for like the last however many years, like an insane amount of time, like 2,000 years or something. Hmm. Or no, I think he says like 100,000 years, like our brains have been fundamentally the same. So our lizard brains have not gotten to the point where we realize that food is an excess and we need to eat healthy. Mm -hmm. We're still like, oh man, those calorie-dense fries and Oreos, give me all of that.
1: I have a note here. Page 103 made me very hungry with the descriptions of the foods. Here's a little bit of a snippet. Nearly every food in a bag, box, or jar has been enhanced in some way, if only with additional flavoring. Companies spend millions of dollars to discover the most satisfying level of crunch in a potato chip or the perfect amount of fizz in a soda. Entire departments are dedicated to optimizing how a product feels in your mouth, a quality known as... That's what she said. Oral sensation. <laughs> That's what she said. And this one, I think, just got me the most with the description because then I started visualizing McDonald's fries, so excuse <laughs> But French fries, for example, are a potent combination, golden brown and crunchy on the outside, light and smooth. On the inside, I just got really hungry for fries. Oh yeah, and then he starts talking about the gooiness of melted cheese and the top of a crispy pizza crust. <laughs> but yeah, Aura's sensations are real, you guys.
0: It's like you make your reward system go crazy because mm-hmm. you are getting all the sensations, all the rewards. You're getting all that calorie dense. If we keep with the theme of food, that calorie dense junk food, and your body's like, yeah. and it's the same with shopping and video games and I think you had a few other examples in there but it's just everything makes your reward systems go crazy and everything that is super exaggerated to the point where it makes your reward system go crazy Mm -hmm. your body's like yes I'm gonna do more of that and then that's why people get really into or addicted to things such as shopping junk food video games drugs
1: (laughs) yeah because they're attracted to it yeah. Basically.
0: And some of these you're wired to be attracted to. Like, obviously, sex is to help reproduce and keep the species going. And junk food, our addiction to junk food, is because literally at one point that helped us survive.
1: True. True.
0: Not now. I mean, <laughs> if I just ate Oreos all day, uh, I think I'd die.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I love Oreos too, but I can't eat past sometimes, like, three. <laughs> I get full really fast.
0: It just gets to be too much after a while.
1: It does. It really does. I like eating healthy. What a dweeb. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just weird. I'm very bland. I have, like, the senses of an 80-year-old lady. I like things bland. I love oatmeal. Prunes. Mm, You know what? Actually, I don't mind prunes.
0: You are an 80-year-old woman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I go to bed at 9 o'clock. I do puzzles for fun. I have a cat. I do have a cane. It's in my bedroom.
0: Why do you have a cane? Because
1: I was a grandma for Halloween one year and I got it at ARC thrift store for like eight bucks. And I just decided to keep it because it has sparkly butterflies on it. They're like purple, blue, and pink. (laughs) I think Brittany is just like, I need to go home. I just need yeah, to walk off.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, I think we're done recording for the day.
1: <laughs> She's like, bye. <laughs>
0: we'll try again another day.
1: <laughs> this is, I'm on my second cup of coffee. Actually, I just finished it. I'm wired.
0: So we basically need to take that info that drives us and make the habits that we don't want to do attractive to us and our lizard brains so that we were more inclined to do them.
1: Her <laughs> lizard brains.
0: And he gets real into neuroscience, which I was all about with the dopamine feedback loop.
1: I am understanding it a little bit more. I think with this kind of science, and I'll be really honest with you guys, I always get lost. (laughs) But I've been watching a lot of Big Bang Theory lately, so.
0: So dopamine is not the only, I guess it's a chemical, right? It's Mm -hmm. not the only chemical that plays a role in your reward system. But dopamine is one of your main pleasure. Chemicals, I guess?
1: I put down it's part of pleasure. It
0: makes us feel pleasure. When we're happy or feeling pleasure with something, we are feeling dopamine. It's dopamine that's firing from our brain. Yeah. From our pituitary gland.
1: But also he talks about how it also plays a role in our motivation, learning, memory, punishment, and aversion, and voluntary movement. It's on page 106.
0: So dopamine is a neurotransmitter Mm-hmm. It plays a role in how we feel pleasure. It is a part of our human ability to think and plan. It helps us strive, focus, and find things interesting.
1: I mean, all of those things kind of correlate together, it seems like. I it mean...
0: actually affects a lot. Yeah. So if you really want to know about dopamine, and if you want to go down a dopamine rabbit hole... It affects many parts of your behavior and physical functions, such as learning, motivation, heart rate, blood vessel function, kidney function, lactation, sleep, mood, attention, control of nausea and vomiting, pain processing, and movement.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot more to dopamine than just pleasure. I think it just kind of guides us or leads us to where we want to feel satisfied or pleasured.
0: So they did this whole experiment with, that I thought was really cruel but I guess all animal testing is kind of cruel. Mm. They did this experiment with rats where they depleted their brains of dopamine somehow. That's beyond me. Don't ask me how they did that. <laughs> they probably just attached something to them that counteracted it. I'm a musician. I'm a scientist.
1: We well, yeah No.
0: But the rats lost all will to do anything and died of thirst, which I was like, oh, rip. I know. Poor rats. Oh. And then so they decided to do the inverse of that experiment and flood them with dopamine. And they did whatever the rewarding action was, which I think was some maze thing. The researchers would hit a button and kind of flood their brains with dopamine. They learned to connect pushing the button with getting a hit of dopamine. So they did the rewarding action a million times as fast and all the time. The dopamine is also released when we experience or anticipate pleasure. So what was it last episode when we were talking about cooking a pizza? Mm. So, if you get in the habit of cooking the pizza, and let's say it's your first time cooking the pizza, and you eat the pizza, that's when you're going to experience your dopamine hit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. When
0: you do that a few times, you're going to start to anticipate the pleasure, and you're going to start feeling that warm feeling of happiness when the pizza's warming up.
1: Mm-hmm. You're going to smell it, it's going to be cooking in the oven. Mm -hmm. you're going to hear the oven click. My oven clicks. So when you hear that oven click, you know it's getting ready. And you know it's getting warm. And then when you hear the timer go off...
0: I'm drooling.
1: That's when you're like, yes, I can get the pizza. And then you take it out of the oven, and you wait for it to cool off a little bit. But you smell it, and you're ready. And you know after a few minutes, you can cut it up. That way the cheese doesn't get all messy. It's not too gooey. It's easy to slice. And then you have your warm... Delicious margarita pizza from California Pizza Kitchen, on sale for seven ninety nine at King Super's. And you enjoy your night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bam. Whenever I am teaching, I always try to give my students not only direction and what to do, but why you need to do the thing.
1: Mm, I like that.
0: Well, because kids and people in general are just naturally inquisitive, Mm -hmm. and I think that's fine, and that shouldn't be stomped out. For example, how you hold the bow of any string, well, I guess violin and viola, is you bend your pinky, and you put it on top, and you bend your thumb, and you put it underneath, and the rest of your fingers fall into place. Kids are told from the time that they start playing, usually in sixth grade, until whenever it's not an issue anymore, that they need to keep their thumb and their pinky bent. But they're never told why. Hmm. The reason why is because your thumb and your pinky act as actually shock absorbers for your bow, and they are the ones that actually support the bow. You can lift all three of your fingers and still support your bow with your thumb and your pinky because they're acting as counterweights for each other. Mm. When your strings vibrate, they're val- they're vibrating like sound waves, mm-hmm. and that's how you make noise. And when your strings vibrate, your bow bounces a little bit, even if it's on a microscopic level. Your thumb and your pinky help absorb the shock from the bow moving and keep it going in a straight line, in a smooth line. Hmm. And that's not explained to sixth graders.
1: Were you not taught that either when you first learned? No. Interesting. Mm-mm. Yeah. I put two
0: and two together when I was in grad school. And I was like, if we told students why they need to keep their thumb and their pinky bent, they'd be more inclined to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I do the same thing with my flute students. It's easy to do it in person, obviously, like when you're doing it one on one and showing them, like, this is how you should hold your flute. Like, I like to show students, once they finally get hold of a little bit more balanced with the flute because we're this way and it's hard to balance it at first, especially when you're first learning and you're trying to like mm-hmm. move everything. But once they start feeling more comfortable in their beginning stages of holding the flute, making sounds comfortably while they're moving, then I start talking about their positioning because a lot of kids like to put their fingers in awkward places that are not going to help them out in the long run. Right. When the common things that I see is our left pinky, it does get used every now and then. I like to call it the neglected finger because we only put it down for like maybe three notes and they're not commonly learned at the beginning of when you're learning flute so a lot Mm -hmm. of the times our left pinky goes out to this lever key that we press down it sticks out so a lot of kids like to put their pinky underneath the key and i'm like "Ooh, that doesn't look great
0: that's not gonna work
1: I mean, again, when you're trying to hold the flute and make sounds, you're going to have some weird, awkward positioning. I've been there. But when I see them in their pinkies down and then we start learning like A flat, which is when you start using your pinky, you use that lever key for that note. Mm -hmm. Or when we start learning the E flat major scale, which has A flat added into it, I show them like, hey, I purposely put my pinky down. I show them like the movement that I'm doing when I'm playing the scale and then I show mm-hmm. them what it's like when I put my pinky above the key and how like more fluid I can play the scale how I'm not doing so much switching with this one finger and getting rid of so much energy at the same time I show that to them and I tell them like listen it's good to put this pinky above your keys and like even other fingers too when if they're like under the flute or something because I tell them like it's gonna make your life a one, 99.9% easier when you play, and two, you're gonna prevent a further injury. Like, I see people do a lot of bending of their left pinkies like this, when they play, when they don't use it, and it looks Like bending it
0: against itself.
1: Yeah, and it looks rigid and painful, and I'm like if you keep doing that, you're gonna have like an injury, and I don't want you to do that when you're 11 years old. (laughs) No injuries here, so. Yeah,
0: too young for that. I thought it was... Really helpful how he started this section with the why we're programmed to be like this and mm-hmm. why it's not a bad thing, but how can we twist that to our advantage? I feel like a lot of self-help books look at the approach like you're doing everything wrong <laughs> and here's what you need to do right. And this book so far has been here's how people are programmed and here's how to use it to your advantage. Yeah. Which I think is is a really nice approach and perspective because I also think that makes it more likely that you will actually do the habits and do mm-hmm. the steps necessary to actually make it a more productive and effective yeah. exercise instead of like, oh, that was a good book and then never do anything with it I again. Mean,
1: I've been thinking more about my habits while we're reading this book, but I mean it's been kind of like keeping me on my game of like how can I stick to some of these habits that I am doing that are helping me out. Once I'm done with the book, it's kind of been putting me a little bit more into action and I want to stick to that. action. Oh, same.
0: I like that he closes this chapter out by saying to link the action or habit that you need with the action or habit that you want to do. Yeah. To make necessary habits more attractive and that more probable behaviors will reinforce less probable behaviors. And I was like, I'm going to start doing this ASAP. I literally (laughs) put that in my notes. (laughs) I think the example that he used in the book was someone who wanted to start exercising more, but they wanted to spend the time watching Netflix instead. So they installed something on their... Obviously, I don't think this is something that everyone can do, but they installed a TV or something onto their exercise bike and made it so that way the TV shut off if he pedaled under a certain speed.
1: That is honestly smart.
0: (laughs) So... We have a home gym setup where we have like some weights, some resistance bands, mm-hmm. stuff of that nature, some dumbbells. And I've been trying to make it more attractive for David. I hung up a New York Giants flag mm, and nice. a a poster of Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> who's a, a a comic character, but I guess he has a gym in his series and it's a poster of like him at the gym.
1: Okay. Is it like a comic book poster? Because they made a film with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Do you know that? Mm-hmm and i just visualize mm-hmm. arnold schwarzenegger in there like
0: uh. it's a drawn
1: okay. thing okay. it's not
0: it's not like a live action <laughs> thing and i've been trying to keep it clean and just make it less of a bland space so that mm-hmm. way we can both go in there and be like this is nice and comforting and i've even So one thing I've started doing, I I talked about this last episode, but you didn't remember so I'm going to bring it up again, (laughs) is I like to drink two cups of coffee a day.
1: Which is insane! I can't believe you do that when you work out! I don't know how you do it! Oh my god!
0: So as I was reading this book, and I think it was the last episode we did, which was Make It Obvious. So I was reading that, and that's the section I didn't take any notes, so I don't remember what clicked, but I was like, I really want to start doing something Either more productive or more relaxing because drinking hot coffee, I feel like is a time consuming act for me because I have to pour it and then I have to like wait for it to cool and then I have to like slowly sip it. So I waste a lot of time drinking two cups of coffee if I'm just like sitting there. So for my first cup of coffee, I'm making breakfast. I'm sitting down eating my breakfast for my second cup. I've started either reading or exercising. I could do the reading thing. I've either been reading Atomic Habits or another book that I'm reading right now, or bringing my coffee and water into the garage. Okay, as long as you have water. And exercising, (laughs) kind of limited to what I can do while I'm drinking my coffee if I don't want to, like, put it in a thermos and go out and do stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm still trying to wake up and get my morning routine in, and I'm like, I have this time. I want to drink the coffee, and I want to exercise more, and I want to read more. So, I'm starting to build these into my morning routines, and it's actually been really nice to do.
1: Hey, if it works, It's a little
0: weird. I did it this morning, and David was literally like, I was walking into the garage with the mug that you gave me that has a cat on it, a Yeti. Yeah. And David was like, you're going to work out with coffee? That's gross. And
1: he just walked away from me. (laughs) I was like, okay, thanks for the support. How is your heart holding up? It's fine. Because you're working out, like you're pumping iron, and then it's like... (laughs) like with the extra and then i'm
0: stimulating it with coffee
1: (laughs) (laughs) i can like send you some decaf if you need some decaf
0: (laughs) it's good cardiovascular exercise what are you talking about
1: (laughs) i mean more power to you i like to work out but i don't know if i could do it with coffee i have done things where i know that some people are like totally against this but maybe it's i just have a bad habit of doing this but i drink coffee when i practice but here's the thing. It's not like I sip my coffee and play my flute. I definitely drink water beforehand. I used to do this a lot in undergrad because I practiced are a you lot. You're not supposed
0: to do that because like, you blow that crap into your flute. Yeah,
1: but I drink a lot of water beforehand. Like I switch it around and everything and swallow and then I play. <laughs> what?
0: I mean, whatever works <laughs> for you. I
1: know a lot of flute players are going to be like, I can't believe she does that. Like how do, like, what? I'm sorry. I do. How dare she? I drink water before I play it, though. Like, if I have a long day ahead and I have an early morning to practice, I'm gonna have some coffee to wake me up, okay? I'm not just gonna play Tafanol and Go Bear scales without drinking some caffeine juice to pet me up. <laughs> caffeine juice? Hot bean water.
0: Dirty bean water. <laughs>
1: dirty bean water. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it's not any weirder than me bringing coffee into the garage (laughs) while I exercise, so.
1: (laughs) Our coffee has to go with us everywhere we go. Hey, you look kind of peppy. I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep, we are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah, we have breakfast burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot.
0: If someone was walking through Denver, and let's say this person was me, and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one?
1: We are open from 7 to 5, Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPodcast, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in-store or online at LaBelleRosette.com. That's a really good deal totally a good deal and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store is that a good deal Uh, not really but i actually need to head to work right now because i'm gonna be late oh so i'm gonna go go to Belle rosette bye
0: right now drop (laughs) everything go the next chapter is the role of family and friends in shaping your habits
1: so i don't play chess I think I've played chess maybe like twice in my life against a nine-year-old, which also tells you something. I was babysitting. Did they win? Oh yeah, duh. <laughs> of course they <I> did. <laughs> I don't remember how to play chess either, but I found this uh, story very interesting about the three chess players that were homeschooled and ate, breathed, and slept chess their entire lives.
0: Where the guy basically just did a giant social experiment on his life. Yeah.
1: So if anybody doesn't know, there's a man named Laszlo Polgar. And he and his wife, Clara, had three daughters, Susan, Sophia, and Judith. I hope I said that right. But basically what he did is he wanted his kids to be the ultimate chess players. They homeschooled their daughters and they incorporated chess into their daily lives. And they became, Mm -hmm. it kind of, like, went down the line. Like, the oldest kid was really good at it. And then the second oldest kid was a little bit better. But, like, the youngest kid was able to be, like, one of the top chess players. The youngest. The youngest. Grandmaster. Yeah. They found it normal. They didn't think their upbringing was any way weird or unordinary. Mm -hmm. They grew up learning, like, this is our life and they enjoyed it and they became really good at yeah. it and i've never heard of the story before you learn something new every day it's crazy <sighs> i think this chapter was pretty self-explanatory
0: mm-hmm. because
1: oh because the chapter is called the role of family and friends in shaping your habits we should have probably said that wait i think i did say <laughs> oh did you i don't know I, don't...
0: I think you were just focused on chess
1: <laughs> i have a goldfish brain today because you know it's monday because coffee yeah monday coffee Long weekend, you know.
0: I just think it's pretty obvious that the people close to you would be the ones who would influence you the most. Either by your own doing, like, you want to be more like them, or unconscious, where things that people do
1: kind of rub off on you. So, the coffee thing? (laughs) We're going back to coffee. I think this is the theme today. Coffee and...
0: Let's just title the episode, Coffee. Coffee. That's it. Atomic habits. Coffee. Coffee. Or <laughs> just leave it at coffee. Episode thirty-three. Coffee.
1: Coffee. coffee. <laughs> 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 oh. I think the reason why I got the habit of drinking coffee in the morning and practicing was because I kind of gained that from my teacher. I looked up to my teacher. I was so inspired by them. That's why I like I did music. That's why I was like, ooh, I want to study with this person. And they would drink Mm -hmm. coffee in the middle of our lessons. In fact, like, I would also, like, babysit a lot for them. And in the morning sometimes they'd be like, oh, you want a pot of coffee? And they, like, make one for me. And then we would go play flute for, like, a lesson or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think I just got into the habit of that because I was, you know, I was so inspired by my teacher. I was like, I want to be like them. You know, I I want to have a career where I'm performing. And I just gained this habit of loving coffee so much being around them especially when i babysat for them because (laughs) i nannied for them for a bit and that's literally all i remember i remember like it would be 11 o'clock at night they would come home from a concert and they'd be like do you want some coffee and they would like make a pot and just leave it for me and i'm like oh okay (laughs) i'm gonna be wired tonight (laughs) wake up at 5 (laughs) a.m
0: i started drinking more coffee when you and i became friends
1: so basically i just kind of rubbed that on you
0: Yeah, you rubbed coffee all over me. I
1: shaped your coffee habit.
0: (laughs) You're the reason why I bring coffee into the gym now.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) This all started in the commons. For all you KSU peeps out there, the commons was the shit. (laughs) Hooty hoo. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that Game of Thrones reference on page 115? I have that written down. (laughs) Sorry. I did. What was the reference? So part of the role of family and friends influencing our habits is sometimes we want to be part of the norm. I mean, let's just face it. Yeah. Yeah. There has been one part of our lives where we've wanted to fit in or be with the crowd. Yeah, it's like peer pressure. It's human nature. Yeah. The reference that James Clear writes is, The lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. And then the asterisk says, I'm so happy I was able to fit a Game of Thrones reference into this book. (laughs) But now I really want to watch Game of Thrones. Again. But
0: (laughs) don't watch the last two seasons.
1: Yeah. No. Sad. I think this was written in 2015, maybe 2016?
0: 2018.
1: 2018, never mind. That's not too long ago. We want to be part of the pack, you guys. That is how our habits are shaped in some ways. We want to fit in. Yeah. And I put, oh, middle school. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The
0: way to spin this into if you want to change your habits, because, you know, your habits are influenced by Either the close, which is your close friends, family, significant others, Mm -hmm. people who are in your inner circle, the many, which is like society Mm -hmm. or groups of people, and the powerful, which is like
1: people we aspire to be. Your
0: boss or your teacher. Taylor Swift. (laughs) If you want to change this, basically you need to surround yourself with people who have habits that you want in yourself.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's basically it, and don't associate with people who have habits
1: that you don't want. So I really liked this little paragraph that he wrote out because it's the question that I've always put in my mind for years. In some situations, I, I'll think about it, but now I'm trying not to let take control of my life completely. So this is what he writes mm-hmm. about imitating people that are powerful or aspiring to be, I guess, in a way. We are also motivated to avoid behaviors that would lower our status. We trim our hedges and mow our lawn because we don't want to be the slob of the neighborhood. Yeah, I've been there. When our mother comes to visit, Mm -hmm. we clean up the house because we don't want to be judged. I mean, I clean my house all the time because I don't want my students to judge me.
0: But, like, you extra clean when people come over. Like, we had a New Year's party, and we cleaned up everything. I mean even on the side of the house people weren't going to go in, we make sure everything was vacuum, we mop. I mean the level that you get so anal retentive about cleaning when you have family come yeah. over or a group of people come over is insane. Oh, yeah.
1: Wednesday is like the start of my teaching day for a lot of my students privately cuz I kind of don't teach mm-hmm. private lessons on Mondays and Tuesdays. I don't need people at my house seven days a week, 24-7. No, thank you. So (laughs) I have those two days where I can be a slob as much as I want. And then, like, Wednesday is usually when I, like, tidy up things, clean, vacuum, all that junk. So, yeah. But we are continually wondering, what will others think of me? That's the question. And altering our behavior based on that answer. I have definitely thought of that question, what will others think of me? And that has definitely taken control of some of the habits that I have created throughout my life. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, some have been very beneficial, like, what will others think of me if I practiced, like, in the mornings instead of sleeping in and waiting until, like, 8 o'clock to... What if
0: I go to this gig unprepared? Yeah,
1: things like that. In other ways, Mm -hmm. I definitely have thought that question... Where it's brought more stress and grief on my life. And it's just interesting how we are so influenced by people. And even Mm -hmm. ourselves, like, kind of asking ourselves these questions and kind of sometimes psyching ourselves out that take influence on our habits and our actions. So interesting. Just a little personal reflection.
0: That's what i Imitating the powerful. He talks a lot about musicians. How if you want to be a better musician, you should surround yourself with better musicians so you can better identify as a better musician and therefore practice more and i'm like that's a mood and (laughs) i think about it and i think about in college how my close friends were also people who i respected as people and as musicians
1: i respect you too thanks babe (laughs) it's true
0: oh no i'm serious like i'm being serious It's also like a personality trait because I feel like a lot of the people who didn't make it were kind of pushed out of the music school. I
1: agree so much. And honestly, I mean, I look back at it and Mm -hmm. it just felt like in some ways I see it and it made me feel like, wow, is this high school again? Mm -hmm. Because I even felt that personally because when I first started KSU, this is way before we ever even met each other. I had no clue what I wanted to do. I was very insecure. I was very un- indecisive. And I just chose music because, again in past episodes I've mentioned this, I just wanted to play more than one concert a semester. Okay? Sue me. Is that too much to ask? (laughs) Is that just too much to ask? (laughs) I don't wanna play just one concert a semester. (laughs) I did music because I told myself, you know, I like it. Maybe I'll just pick this for now. I had no idea that I was gonna be doing what I'm doing today at all. Like this was over 10 years ago. So yeah, give some teenagers some slack, okay? Anyway, I just remember when I did start school, and that entire first semester i felt like i was being pushed out by people in the music school because i wasn't in the practice rooms all day i wasn't doing the amount of work that i was doing back then like i am doing now or what i did later in my years of being an undergrad and even in grad mm-hmm. school i had no clue mm-hmm. and I was trying to find a job. That was my priority, finding a part-time job because I needed to pay for gas, pay for things if I wanted to hang out with my friends. And I was just trying to figure out like my courses and my schedule and whatnot. It was very confusing. And I just felt like I was being pushed out and I felt left out a lot. And it really affected who I connected with, I think, at KSU. I think it turned out great in the end.
0: She says with a forced smile as she's talking to someone else from Kennesaw.
1: <laughs> it turned out
0: great. You're you're okay.
1: <laughs> oh no, I think it turned out. <laughs> I think my journey, as difficult as it was, and how I felt, like it, I felt like you know this happened for a reason, and I'm glad I went through this path. But I mean, when it was happening, when I felt excluded, and when I felt like well, this person doesn't want to interact with me because I'm not practicing where I would come into rehearsals like specifically wind ensemble rehearsals I'd be so nervous. I was scared because I felt intimidated by the director, I felt intimidated by the other flutes, I felt intimidated by the other people in the ensemble, even people that were freshmen just like me and I felt like nobody wanted me there. I started warming up a bit to a few people afterwards and I felt a little bit better, but I mean, there was a good point in my fall semester where I was just crying a lot, and I was asking myself, do I want to be part of this? Mm -hmm. And I think connecting with a few people that were kind of in the same boat as I was really helped Mm -hmm. break me out of my shell, and then I started just developing habits in a different form that I think were beneficial, and then people started being nice to me.
0: It's funny because when, by the time I was there, you definitely seemed to be one of the more serious people. Yeah. I was intimidated by you before I met you because I was like, fuck, she's always practicing. I should
1: always practice. Because I literally (laughs) lived there.
0: Yeah. And I was like, wait, she wants to be friends with me. Maybe I should practice more.
1: I mean, we met at the practice room, so. Didn't
0: you say I would look in your doors? You would.
1: I I would see somebody walk by, I would look up and see, like, a silhouette move by, and then sometimes I would see you peep it, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, hi, Brittany.
0: This section finishes out with chapter 10, how to find and fix the causes of your bad habits. I like, again, that he starts this chapter with an explanation of why we are the way we are, so we talk about cravings and how they are manifestations of deeper underlying motives, like you want to feel less anxious or you feel hungry. How you respond to those cravings determines what habits you form when you're given the cue. And if the habit addresses the motive, the underlying craving, we are more likely to repeat it, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. I mean, if we go back to my obsession with Bob's Burgers, which I realized is a manifestation of anxiety that I just rewatch the same show over and over because it's predictable and calming, but I feel less anxious when I watch it. So I'm more likely to just do it, which is why I'm probably on my 20th or 30th watch through of Bob's Burgers.
1: Yeah, no, I feel the same way. That's what I'm doing with Big Bang Theory right now. I know the show, it comforts Mm me. I like to think of it as like noise in the background. Yeah. I do the same thing with The Office. I love The Office. I need to watch Bob's Burgers. Everyone has.
0: (laughs) It's so fucking good. (laughs) I
1: love it so much. It's
0: literally my favorite. Girl, don't even get me started. You get me
1: hungry for burgers every time you mention it because I just want to eat a a cheeseburger right afterwards. So
0: everyone has cravings, but we interpret and respond to them in different ways. And we can make our habits more attractive when we associate them with positive feelings.
1: Yeah, I put down people's approaches are different when it comes to addressing the underlying motive. He talks a lot about smoking. I know, for instance, Woody has told me this. He's talked about it a few times since he's quit. But whenever he told me, once he started, like this might have been like a few weeks or a month into him quitting smoking he was hungry a little bit more throughout the day because he usually would not eat until way later in the day doesn't smoking suppress your appetite yeah it suppresses your appetite this dude would just drink water smoke and he would eat like one meal a day and then snacks like that's how he functioned that's how he worked and i mean that's not how i would live but you know that's how he lived and i was okay with it as long as he was was fine yeah but he told me that he Mm -hmm. was more hungry throughout the day because he's not smoking anymore and he was like sometimes I crave it and I'm like yeah I bet I mean for me when I'm stressed out what helps me out to relieve that stress I don't smoke but I go on a run the opposite I do the opposite (laughs) or I clean cleaning is like so comforting I love it I I can clean anything if I feel stressed And then I feel less stressed afterwards. But that's just me. Those are some of my habits, especially when I'm, like, trying to relieve, like, anxiety or or stress or just feeling crappy. Yeah,
0: when I have a bad mental health day and I'm feeling anxious or stressed, I like to exercise. I like to hang out with Valkyrie. I like to hang out with David. And it's interesting because people have different cravings. Everyone has the same, I guess, cues and stimuli and stuff but the way that we react to them is different Mm -hmm. so we can actually reprogram ourselves to enjoy what we perceive as difficult or hard habits by and I've heard this before spinning obligations into opportunities or positives yeah so instead of saying like I have to make dinner I have to hang out with my family be like oh I have the opportunity to do these things Mm -hmm. I get to make dinner I've definitely heard this before. Me too. How your perception of things really can shift. It's like how negative self talk, and I think we've talked about this previously, can really warp your sense of perception and self over time.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel called out. <laughs> James Clear just really gets into your soul. And I, we don't even know this guy. Who are you? <laughs> are you
0: so basically just spin your routines to put yourself into a better headspace about doing them and you can also do what he calls a motivation ritual so you do something you like to do before or after you do the difficult thing to associate the positive feelings with the difficult habit
1: i just have three deep breaths you know how he says create a short routine that you perform every time before you do the thing you love i like how he says Mm -hmm. maybe you take three deep breaths and smile Three deep breaths. Period. Smile. Period. Pet the dog. Period. Repeat. Period. <laughs> so you should find Valkyrie and you should take three deep breaths. Then you should pet her. No, you should smile and then pet her, and then take three deep breaths. Smile again. Pet her one more time.
0: And then. But she won't have the patience for the three breaths.
1: No, she she won't.
0: <laughs> She'd be like, "No, pet me now." She's like, why did you stop? What are you doing, human? Why I just get one pet? I like the idea of the motivation ritual because it's another way to further stimulate your reward system. Because not only are you accomplishing the habit that you want mm-hmm. and instilling the habit that you want, but you're also getting to do something that you want to do.
1: Yeah, I think about it as okay, like yesterday, for instance, I like to be on top of my house cleaning here. But this weekend was just a lot crazier than normal. I started seeing the dishes pile up in my dishwasher, slowly but surely. And I think it's just because I've been drinking a lot of tea and coffee. Can't help myself. It's cold outside. Mm -hmm. I've been eating a lot of soups and chilies and oatmeal because I'm an 80-year-old woman. And I just noticed the dishwasher was piling up. And I thought to myself, like, I know I need to get this done. Like, this is a normal habit when I see the dishwasher full – I automatically think I need to get the dishwasher like I need to run it and I decided to mm-hmm. do it during a time where it could run I didn't have to wait for it I did it in the middle of one of the shows that I had to do I did the dishes and then let them run went off to the gig didn't think about it came back home ate a quick dinner did another show went to sleep didn't even think about the dishwasher then I woke up in the morning And I was like, I need to eat something because I finally have some time to sit down, eat, and read Atomic Habits because I am a good eater. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to actually get all my plates and forks and all that stuff, you know, to make my breakfast, I had to unload the dishwasher. At first I was like, crap, this is just like one extra thing for me to do. That's originally what I always think because I'm always like, damn it, Mm -hmm. I have this now, (laughs) but... Right. In the end, I knew my reward was, I wouldn't have to worry about this later in the day. Like, I wouldn't have to worry about unloading the dishwasher at the end of the day if I just got it done now. And I was able to make breakfast and enjoy myself for the morning.
0: We're starting to do this a little bit more, but we used to cook a lot together. Mm-hmm. But what we've done more recently is David will cook dinner if we're both free, and then I will read to him. Like, we just finished Harry Potter, so now we're reading Percy Jackson. Oh, that's
1: Nice. I think that's so sweet that you read to him. I am not that nice.
0: (laughs) So it's nice, though, because we're getting something done. We're cooking and cleaning. Mm -hmm. And then we're also spending time together and hanging out. So I like the idea of associating something extra good with a chore or a difficult habit or an action because then it makes your lizard brains like, I'd want to do more of the thing.
1: Well, we made our habits attractive today.
0: Next week, we're going to make it easy
1: oh look at that look at that smooth transition right there i am queen of transitions she is actually we'll make it easy next week for you guys and you know we'll be available at the same time same place super easy super easy (laughs) so easy make sure you are rating us make sure you are telling us to your friends uh, or showing spreading the word about us there you go <laughs> to your friends there you go yeah what are words words are hard i mean yeah if your friends are interested in listening to people that can't say their words right but yeah,
0: yeah. to musicians who can't speak but we can read
1: yeah we can read yeah read music and books what what thank y'all for
0: listening and we will see y'all next week